read a little article this week in Christianity Today, and it said, Deandra Leslie, a, phys- a, a physics professor at the University of Texas, wrote a book about the physics of NASCAR racing. And for her research, she was given the opportunity to drive a NASCAR racer on the 1.5-mile track of the Texas Motor Speedway. Within the structure in the passenger seat, she drove the car at speeds up to 150 miles per hour. It was while accelerating to get up to that speed that the author learned an interesting lesson about race cars. She writes, we trundled down pit road, and when Paul motioned, I pressed the clutch, shifted into third gear, then released the clutch and stepped on the gas. A NASCAR engine is optimized for speed. And so when we were puttering along at 100 miles per hour, it chugged uncomfortably. The solution is to go faster. So you get the picture. The author is driving the car at 100 miles per hour. But the car is chugging roughly like a locomotive. What's the matter with this car? It doesn't feel like it is designed for speed because it can't even go 100 miles per hour without running roughly. But that's just it, friends. The car is designed for higher speed. The solution to a chugging car is not to slow down but to go faster. The baby is designed to blister the asphalt. It sounds like life. Between December 26 and the first week of the new year, many of us have been puttering around, hanging around the house, no school for the children, maybe a short vacation from work. I mean, there are still things to get done, and I'm not suggesting That life has stopped altogether or really slowed down. But life is usually so fast for most of us, like a NASCAR at 100 miles per hour is slow in comparison to what we are used to running. And as January quickly approaches, our souls begin to chug uncomfortably, like the NASCAR. But not because we are designed to live a fast, busy life but because we are used to living a preoccupied, busy, fast life. And tomorrow is January. The sound of that month leaves ringing in our ears a new year. The holiday shopping has come to a close. And soon it will be time to get back to business. It seems like after we say Happy New Year, time speeds up as if it were. It seems like the days are running together. It seems like there is barely any time for anything extra. It is the season where we are reminded that to-do lists do not get done by standing around. And for many of us, 2018 will mirror 2017. We will rise early. We will fall asleep late. Especially when school starts again, we will be exhausted after getting the children off to school and helping them with their homework and attending one event after the next. It is like someone has hit the gas paddle on our NASCAR life, and life is in full speed. And just like objects that pass by when driving a NASCAR, you look out of the window of life in 2018 as passing you by. It is like one problem after the next, 
one joy after the other, ups and downs, around and round, as life and family and jobs, job and expectation demands and cheer on the sideline faster, faster, faster. And we begin to feel the weight of it all. And it's only 2018, the beginning. For all the brothers and sisters in Christ, if we are not careful, it will not be long until our joy in God fades in the background. Our love for people fades in the background. All those things that really matter become lost and buried under the pile of to-do list papers. Present, but not present. Seeing, but not seeing. Hearing, but not hearing. There is always this quiet, warning buzz in the midst of our busyness that is a sign that all of this busyness is not good for us. It is there when we interact with, with one another. It is present when we minister. It is present when we go for our cup of joe for the day. It is present underneath the quietness of the engine of the life of busyness in our souls. And if we slow down long enough, turn off the engine of life and put the car in park, we can hear it. My friends, this buzz is called irritation. Now this word irritation in the dictionary is described as the state of feeling annoyed, impatient, or angry. Like some of you may be feeling right now, like when is this sermon going to end? Friends, if we are honest this morning, it is easy for us to start to carry around a bit of irritation. And it goes everywhere with us. The question I pose to you this morning, why is this? Why do we carry around this bit of irritation with us? In order to answer this question, I want to turn to no other than Martha. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 41. That's Luke chapter 10. When you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say wait a minute. All right, we're going to wait on you because we're patient, right? We're not easily irritable. And don't be afraid to use the table of contents. We will not judge you. It is okay. As long as you can find Genesis and Revelation, you're all right. All right, if you're there, say amen. If you're not there, we're praying for you. Verse 38, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but the one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen a good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Have you ever wondered how Jesus spent his evenings after those long, weary hours of ministry? Jesus was clear in Scripture when he said, The Son of Man has no place to lay his head, but birds and foxes do. And church, to be quite frank, this is astonishing that the creator of the universe, the maker of all, would roam the streets of Jerusalem. But there was one place in particular that was welcoming to our Savior. Jesus would often find lodging in the home 
of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And this home was located in the town of Bethany, about two miles out from Jerusalem. Jesus spent a lot of time in this home. We even find nestled and cradled in the Gospel of John a rich statement that gives us an eye-open experience of what Jesus' relationship was to Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. It is if John goes out of his way to put this statement into his Gospel. And it says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus didn't have anywhere else to go. He can go to this crib, this house right here. And they would, open, they would welcome him with open arms. Here in Luke, we are invited into this home to spend an evening with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus and to see what life was like in their home. In the opening verses of our passage today, we are quickly introduced to Martha. Now, you got to understand that I love Martha. Martha is just my type of woman. She, to the point, she's straightforward. Martha is introduced with the heart of hospitality. She takes the initiative to invite the creator of the universe into her home. Uh, This kind of hospitality should not be strange to the people of God. In fact, this is something that we should do often. Paul beckons us in the book of Romans that we ought to be hospitable people, opening up our homes and being generous with that which God has given us. Uh, Paul pens in Romans chapter 12, verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. But before Paul ever wrote it, Martha was already on top of it. And many of us in the room today can testify being hospitable is easier said than it is done. If not, we would do it more often. You see, Martha wanted everything to be just right, down to the last drop. And this is within understanding. I mean, you got Jesus coming over your house to have a meal with you. How do you cook a meal good enough for Jesus? I mean, he turned water into wine. He gave the best fish fry on the beach. How do I now serve this one? No matter what ingredients I use, he's invented it all. How do you serve him so you can see that the pressure is on? Martha is likely spending hours in the marketplace looking for the best food. There is no Uber to drive back home, so she has to take an animal or maybe her own two feet. And then she rushes home to clean up. And I'm not talking about that regular cleaning. I'm talking about that clean, clean. You know, there's two kind of cleanings you got in your house, right? You got that clean, a mama coming over, that's all right, I'll clean a little bit. But then you got that president or your pastor is coming over your house clean. That's when you stop moving the curtains and the lamps and you stop lifting up the rugs and getting rid of all the cobwebs. I'm talking about that kind of clean. And in the midst of her serving, things are getting overwhelming, which we will soon see in a second here. Perhaps the stove is not cooperating with her or the bread is not acting right. Perhaps she is rushing to tidy up the guest room for Jesus to stay tonight. Martha wants this evening to be suitable for a king. I mean, after all, It is Jesus coming over. And perhaps you can relate to this. When you had important people coming over your house and how important it was for everything to be suitable. But would you join me in walking over into the other room of the house? In contrast, over in the other room with Jesus is Martha's sister Mary. And these two are almost totally different. Martha was concerned about serving the guests and Mary was more concerned with enjoying the guests. We see this in verse 39. And she, 
And, and, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. You see, Mary had a heart of a true disciple. She enjoyed learning from Jesus. She sat hours at, the, at his feet, the same feet that she would one day anoint with oil and wash with her hair. And every time I see Mary in Scripture, I get like this holy jealousy because she's like those individuals that it seems like all they do is worship God 24-7. You ever had that Christian friend that it seems like all they do is pray all day? You're having a conversation with them, and it's as if they're talking to God while they're talking to you. And so Mary had this rich relationship with Jesus and when I see it, I say, God, oh, that I would have that kind of appetite, that kind of longing, that kind of hunger, that kind of thirst for you. And there's no doubt that Mary was a lover of Jesus, especially if you wash people's feet with your hair. I'm not washing nobody's feet with my hair. Number one is not long enough, and even if it was, I'm not touching no toes <laughs> at all. It's not going to happen. But there's Mary quietly learning at the feet of Jesus. And up to this point, the scene is full of serenity and tranquility, and Martha has extended a warm welcome invitation to Jesus into her home. Jesus has accepted, and Mary is quietly sitting at the master's feet. And although on the outside everything looks good until we zoom into the heart of Martha, and we find out that everything is not so quiet, quiet and peaceful, as Mary is soaking up the word, her big sister is simmering with frustration. By the time we get to our next verse, she has reached boiling point, and an outburst of irritability comes rushing at us in verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. It is as if you can touch the section of this text and feel the temperature rising in Martha's heart while her sister is sitting. There's without a doubt Martha is irritated. And we all have experienced this to one degree or another. It's one thing when I'm waiting on you and we're running late. There's another thing when you're sitting there and you're not getting ready at all. You just want to test my religion, don't you? You just want to test my love for Jesus. It's one thing when I'm cleaning and I know that you have a desire and an inclination to help me. It's another thing when I'm scrubbing and I'm cleaning and I'm running around and you're doing nothing. You're testing my, my, my religion at that point. And so this is what Mary is doing to Martha. Martha expected Mary to carry some of the weight. After all, Mary is running up the Nipsco bill just as much as Martha is. You got to work around here or you got to get out. Martha has been cooking and cleaning and running around at the marketplace all day, carrying around the weight that God is coming over only to glance into the room to see Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus doing nothing, watching her without the slightest inclination to help her. But the interesting thing is, is that Mary is out of place. Because in Jesus' day, women were not allowed to sit at the feet of rabbis. Mary is in the man cave and she should be in the kitchen. And so Martha is like, I think that she's trying to play games here. She knows she's not even supposed to be in there. She ought to be in the kitchen. And Martha finally couldn't take it any longer. And her irritation had got the best of her. Let's pause right there. You ever felt that way in life? What about at home with your own family? 
You've been doing so much, carrying so much weight, running around, trying to keep it all together, yet the to-do list is half done, and demands are staring you in the face, and one day you can't take it anymore. There you are working hard for Jesus, and others are standing around, and you are feeling overwhelmed. Your coworkers, your brothers and sisters in Christ, it seems like no one is doing anything to help you, and you are extremely busy, and no one seems to help. How does it feel? Perhaps you don't want to talk about it. Some of us have decided just to suppress it. You haven't told anyone. You've been trying to keep your composure and smiling. But if those around you were to get close enough, they can hear that buzz. Irritation. Martha had enough. All she could take, she burst into the room. She skipped past Mary. She goes right up to Jesus and says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Martha is smoking hot at this point. Smoke is coming out of her fingertips and her nostrils. It is as if she took her apron and threw it on the ground and said, I am done until Mary helps me. You know, my first thought is like, whoa, Martha, that's, you know who you're talking to, right? It's Jesus, he can turn you into a frog or anything. Like, you might not want to talk to him. Like, I'm scared for I'm like legitimately scared for Martha at this point. I'm like, you know what he can do. But perhaps she has forgotten because she's too irritated to remember. You see, busyness helps us to forget who Jesus is. In Martha's mind, I'm cooking, I'm cleaning, I'm organizing all by myself. Mary ought to have some sense enough to get up and to help me. And if you care at all, Jesus, you would demand her to help me. Ever felt that way in life? At work? At home? God, you see me serving night and day in honor of you. I'm trying to be a good husband, a son, a wife, what you've called me to do, and I'm trying. I know I have in ministry. Some seasons feels like just that. Every day is ministry, and I get frustrated, and there are seasons where I find myself depending more on Dexter than I do my Savior, Jesus Christ. This happens often. Wait until January when when all of us are back on that NASCAR track going 150 miles to 200 miles per hour and 24 hours doesn't seem like enough. And if you listen close enough during those times, you can hear that buzz in the air. Irritation. It is in the midst of our busyness that we continue to miss God. Martha, now standing in front of Jesus in anger, has embarrassed her sister in front of Jesus and his disciples. Martha is so blind by irritation, she can't even consider how her sister must feel right now. And at this point, you can sense the tension in the air. You can taste the awkwardness in the room. What was supposed to be a lovely evening is now destroyed by Martha irritation. You ever been over somebody's house and they kind of at each other? You're like, I need to get up out of here quick, fast, and in a hurry. This is awkward. Let me out. How do those moments make you feel? It ruins the night. Because here's the reality. No matter how great our ministry is, no matter how great our communities are, no matter how great the meal is, Martha, irritation takes away from Jesus. Martha had taken her mind off of Christ. The passage says that Martha was distracted with much serving. 
We need to investigate that phrase for a minute here. The sense of distraction here is to be pulled away or dragged away. The busyness of life, the continual cycle of do more, do more, do more, friends, slowly pulls us away from the feet of Jesus. Our job, our children, our hobbies are dragging us away from what matters the most. And if we don't watch it, We'll find ourselves drifting farther and further away from Jesus. We'll stop reading our Bibles. We'll stop meditating on his word. We'll stop praying. We'll stop enjoying him. We'll stop loving him. And sooner or later we'll say, where did the time go? And after a while we have to admit that all we have left to offer people around us is our frustration and our irritation. You see, friends, irritation in our souls does not call for an examination of others, but an examination of your own heart. And I'm sure Martha was expecting Jesus to answer her cry for help. You ever felt like you were right, right? You knew that you were right without a shout of a doubt. And so when Martha goes into the man's cave and disturbs what is going on, she felt that Jesus should run to her side. Martha was confident she had her priorities right. Right, Jesus? It is more important that I serve you than to spend time with you. We take on this Messiah complex and we get confused that we think that if we stop moving, that our children won't succeed, that our church won't succeed, that our life will not be successful if we take a break. But that is preposterous. We are in need of Jesus 24-7. This is why some of us are a public success, but we are a private mess. We boast on Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram, but deep down inside, we are crying out for help because we have not ate from the bread of life that we preach about. We have not drank from the living water that we proclaim, and it is more important that you drink from Jesus and eat for Jesus before you go and proclaim Jesus. Martha, you got to slow down. Jesus speaks to Martha. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. It is as if you can hear the calm and compassionate voice of Jesus in this. He calls her name twice as an indication. Come down. Come down, Martha. Martha, your pressure is up and you're flustered about a meal in dishes, and that is not what is most important. You're missing the point. The irritation in your heart is an indication that you're missing the point. There is nothing wrong with preparing a nice meal. There's nothing wrong with cleaning the house. There's nothing wrong with being hospitable. There's nothing wrong with working hard unless it becomes a distraction from Jesus. Martha, you're doing so much. You have forgotten to enjoy me. Here it is, Jesus in her home, the God-man wrapped up in flesh, the eternal God, the one who is and is to come. And friends, if we don't watch it before, we know it. The church and the people we love become a burden instead of a delight. God wants us to work hard, but not at the expense of our relationship with him. God wants us to give ministry our all but not at the expense of forgetting his face. 
Jesus said Mary had chosen the better than Martha. Why? When Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, she was signifying submission. She was saying, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you more than life itself. And do whatever it is that you have to do to remind me of that. Mary wanted to know Jesus. And I couldn't help but wonder when Martha was in the kitchen baking bread and pouring water, when she was baking the bread, did she, was she reminded of the bread of life in the other room when she was pouring the water? Was she reminded of the living water in the other room? God is always painting pictures all over the place to remind us that we need Jesus. It reminds me of an illustration I heard about the, the, the kindergarten Sunday school class. Abstract art is what they were told to draw, and little Jimmy in the class got to work immediately. He started drawing swiggly lines all over the place, and the Sunday school teacher came up to little Jimmy and said, little Jimmy, what are you drawing? Little Jimmy replies, I'm drawing a picture of God. To this, the Sunday school teacher replies, now, little Jimmy, no one knows what God looks like. This little Jimmy smiles, and he replies, they will when I get done. <laughs> and in a similar way, when God sent Jesus, he was sending a picture to you and I so that when Jesus stretches his arms on the cross, God says, I'm loving like that. When God accepts sinners and tax collectors to himself, God is saying, I'm accepting like that. And when God calls even the demons to come out and possess people, God is saying, I'm sovereign like that. It is in the face of Jesus that we are reminded of what love is and what peace is and what joy is and what eternity is. We are reminded in the person and work of Jesus Christ all that God is for us in him and through him is all that we need in Mary had chosen the right thing, but Martha had forgotten who her Savior was. And she needed to slow down. Friends, there's more than one way to stop a NASCAR from chugging. It is not just by speeding up or pulling over to the side and turning it off. And in 2018, my encouragement to your hearts and to your soul is to pull the NASCAR to the side of the road and sit at the feet of Jesus. You know, it's going to require some things, some cutting some things out of your schedule, prioritizing him as the center of our life. It is when you pull the NASCAR to the side of the road that you are able to reflect on the reason you drive, the reason you race. And every now and then, every now and again, we have to pull our life over to the side of the road and be reminded why we serve Jesus, why we love him. For he is an awesome savior, and to be with him means everything. Praise God.